0: All right, so finally another episode of Too Fit to Be Tied. So we've been off for—I
1: don't know—we've been on since. like a hiatus. Yeah. Why?
0: Did we did we go on vacation or something?
1: No, we didn't. <laughs> I think we've just been enjoying the summer.
0: And enjoying the summer and super busy. Right. Um, things—I don't know about. I think that it's the same for you, right? Things typically in the beginning of the summer will kind of ramp up a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, I've been so busy training people, I can't even see straight. So the podcast has taken a little bit of a, a pause. But we're back.
0: But we're back. And so who are, are we talking to today?
1: So we are actually talking to, um a well, see, I don't really know. I guess I didn't do my research. She's either a monk or a nun. I'm not really sure which one. We'll find that out. Um, okay. But her name is Kelsang Chogo. And um she I met her randomly. Actually, I was like... Only I have friends that like just random. Like yeah. I have the most random friends.
0: Random monk/nun.
1: And I am also not a person that wants to be people's friends. Like I don't I don't like I don't find people and think like, "Ooh, I want to be their friend or I want to hang out with them." Okay? Okay. It's just not my personality. Most of the time people want to hang out or be like <laughs> my friend. I know it's <laughs> It's true, though. It's just, I've always, even from so, a kid, it's so, always been like so, that. So
0: you don't want these friends. People are just. People, people just
1: usually they, they're, gravitate they're to me. They're just
0: glomming onto you. Yes.
1: But there <laughs> wait, are, a, what?
0: Wait, so, so are you saying that this that this monk slash nun, like, glommed onto no, you? No,
1: I'm not actually. I'm okay. saying the opposite. Okay,
0: that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I just want to make this clear so it doesn't. Yes,
1: be- I was just going to explain so, because all
0: your all your people, all your hangers-on will think, well, I should be on the podcast. Well, everyone's I, now I,
1: thinking, shit. I,
0: I glommed on yeah, her. Yeah, did I
1: glom on her? What's going on? Um, so, I met her at a chamber function, um, and I was like, I have to get to know her. I actually asked somebody, a client of mine, I said, can you like message her and see if she will basically be my friend? <laughs> Can you message her and ask her if she would go for coffee with me? Like this is so awkward for me to ask someone. Like
0: like in grammar school, will you go? Will you go out to coffee with me? Circle yes. Circle yes or, yes no. or no? Totally.
1: So then my client texts me back, yes, she will. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. So then I'm like, hi. I mean, you. We really don't know each other, but I would. I like want to know her story. Like I, when are when do you get the chance to, like, question a Buddhist? you know, spiritual leader, so to speak, kind of.
0: So so, what was it that drew you to her? That you found out that she was a monk or there was something about her that made you go, I want to get to know that person?
2: Well,
1: how many monks do you know? Probably
0: 12, none. 12 or 13. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Here's a fun fact. I don't, I don't know if we talked about this before, but at one point you wanted to be a nun.
1: Well, a Catholic nun, a Catholic nun. But then, yes. we remember, I got pregnant. Oh, man. <laughs> so there What's, went that idea
0: but it, well,
1: at, like, 19. It, so there, yep. Oh, the, okay.
0: Damn. And there, and there was a guy involved. It wasn't, like, an immaculate No, it was
1: definitely deal. not. No, okay. it, I, it was not an immaculate
0: conception. Okay, All
1: right. <laughs> um, Anyways, so I wanted to get to know her, and we sat for coffee, and I asked her a million questions. Um, and also, remember, I'm very sheltered. I only grew up Catholic school and I did not know about other religions. Okay. So I think I may have said this before, but I remember one of my first jobs. I was a trainer. I was 20 years old and I was training a woman and she was Jewish. And I was like, well, like, what's Jewish? Or I know I, I asked her, what what's are you doing for Easter? And she was like, um, we don't, and this is how naive I was. She's like, uh, we don't celebrate Easter. I'm like, why? And she's like, I'm Jewish. I was like, well, what's that? And she's like, we don't believe, like, that Jesus, we believe in Jesus, we just don't believe that he was, you know, the, the son, son of, God. of God. I'm like,
0: oh! oh! my God, you had an internal meltdown.
1: I was like, wait, people don't believe this? So like, this is how sheltered I was. I didn't know other people that were not Catholic. You know, I heard about other people that weren't Catholic, but to me, this mm-hmm. was just, like, what?
0: You just knew it's, they were all going to hell. I, <laughs> right. That's
1: what I was told, Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So to me, I'm in, and of course, I, obviously growing, um, working in Oak Park, which is a very diverse sort of area. I ended right. up finding just, I, I met so many people with so many different backgrounds, so much diversity. That's how I learned about the world. Um, yeah. And now I'm just like, okay, I'm ready for the next level shit. And I meet a monk and I'm like, I have to sit down or a nun. I don't know. We're going to we find out. Wow. Monk or nun.
0: So you you actually did sit down with her?
1: Yeah, I went for coffee with her and just was like and, vomited questions.
0: And you didn't come back with whether or not she... You didn't start off with whether she was a monk or a nun. Well,
1: we did. I just don't remember. There was oh, so much okay. questioning. And then...
0: You wanted to save that question for the listeners? Yes. Okay.
1: She actually... She, I, you know, she knows I do meal prep help. And she had asked me if she could come to my house and watch me. And I was like, oh, my God. I have a monk coming to my house. And so I had a friend ask me, what are you doing today? I was like, "Um, my monk friend is coming over. And they're like, only you have (laughs) a monk friend. I was like, yeah, we're totally friends, she's coming over. And it was so fun because Mm -hmm. I got to know her as a person and she's a wonderful person. Sometimes I think we think, because people go into that sort of, you know, I don't know what you'd call it, spiritual arena, that they might seem that they're a little bit, they might look at you as less than or, you know, they might, look mm-hmm. at, they might feel like they're superior. She's nothing like that at all. She's a super cool, down-to-earth um, woman. So we are going to get her on the line and all we right. are going to talk to her about um, all things monk and Buddhist.
0: All right. I'm going to stop you right there because you know what we need to do now. What? <laughs> we we got to pay some bills. We actually have sponsors now.
1: Whether you're buying or selling, if you plan to make a real estate transaction, you will run into real estate terminology you're unfamiliar with. Earnest money, for instance. Earnest money is given to the seller to secure that buyer as the party to purchase the property. The earnest money is applied to the buyer's down payment at closing. An escrow agent is assigned and responsible to account for these funds until closing. The title search is performed by a title company or a real estate attorney. The purpose of this search is to ensure there are no liens against the property. For more tips and expert advice, contact Michelle Mahelage Realtor. She has all your answers. Expertise matters. Buy, sell, invest, rent. Michelle Mahelage 702-218-9919. Hello. Hi, Kelsang. How are you? Do you go by Kelsang uh, or Chogo? Uh, Chogo. Okay, Chogo. Chogo, I want you're on the line with Jerome.
0: Hi, Chogo. Nice to, meet you. Thanks for nice to doing, meet you. Thanks for doing the podcast.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so you are on air with us, and uh, we are debating whether or not you are a monk or a nun. I'm a nun, okay. only because I'm a female. That's
2: the only distinction. I thought uh, so. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, Constance was just telling us how she sort of glommed on to you. She sort of <laughs> felt, <laughs> she saw you and I guess <laughs> thought you were so interesting, and she said, I got to glom onto that person. And
1: I told him, I never find people interesting, and I never want to be anyone's (laughs) friend. But I was like, I told our friend, our mutual, you know, buddy, Marianne, I was like, can you, like, text Mm -hmm. her and see if she'll, like, sit down and have coffee with me and be on my podcast? It was sort of like, we were talking, like, it was like grade school. Like, will you be my friend? Yes or no? (laughs) So anyways, we, can you tell us what you do, where you're from, where you work out of, just so people know where to find you before we begin? Mm-hmm.
2: Sure. So um, my name is Chogo, and I'm the administrative director of Kadampa Meditation Center here in Oak Park in the Arts District.
1: Okay. So um, tell us, first of all, how you became a
2: nun. I was going to classes up in Maine for the meditation center. Um, And the guy that I was dating at the time is the one that brought me. And he moved away and I kept going. Then the teacher who was um, teaching in Connecticut and Maine um, was asked to move to Philadelphia. And he called and asked if I wanted to move to Philadelphia as well and help. So I quit my full-time job. And I moved to Philadelphia to help out with the center there. I just wanted to do this for the rest of my life. You and just knew it. I wanted to help the center, and I wanted to help people to find some sort of peace. And it really just made my heart sing.
0: Was that a tough decision, or did you, once you were asked to move to Philadelphia, were you just like, yes? Or did you have to think about it for a bit?
2: Uh, well, to... To think about moving to Philadelphia or to think about ordination?
0: <laughs> um, well, m- moving to Philadelphia was first, right? Because you quit your job. Yeah. So yeah. Was, that, was that a tough so, decision?
2: N- well, so my teacher, he called and asked, and he said, call me back in 24 hours. So I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Um, but as soon as I hung up the phone, I was like, this is what I want to do. Wow. This is what I want to do with my life.
1: When you were a kid, did you have a vision like, okay, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have three kids. I'm going to live with this white picket fence. Like, did you have that sort of dream and then come to this realization that, no, you never did?
2: (laughs) No. No, actually, when I was about 16, my mom said, you're never getting married, are you? And I said, no. Wow. (laughs) I had no desire to do that at all. It was never... I was never like, oh yeah, I want to be married. I mean, I love children actually, but I have nephews, and then there's like kids in the community, and um, so that for me is like great, and that's the way for me to work with kids. Um, but I never wanted that type of life for myself, actually.
1: Okay, and so the listeners, for the listeners who don't know, you know, as a as an ordained. You know, person, you cannot get married. No, okay,
2: You cannot get married. You cannot, you cannot have children once you've been ordained. But there are a number of people who are ordained and have children because they had them previously. Okay, um, so there's no like relationships with a partner. That's okay. not a thing.
1: So it didn't even feel like a sacrifice to you because you had always said I wasn't get, you weren't going to get married.
2: Yeah, it, I didn't have that wish so it I mean it was definitely something I thought about when I was thinking about ordination because this is meant to be a lifelong decision and um and in our tradition and especially with my teacher he said live as an ordained person for a year without taking the actual vows just live that way for a year and see if this is really what you would like to do
1: what do you feel like your mission in, your, in life right now is, being ordained, you know, uh, nun?
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like ever since, so for me, the thing that I dreamed about when I was little was helping other people. That's always been the thing that I've dreamed about, is helping other people to be happy, helping them, you know, even having, so when I was younger, it was more material things because that's the only thing that I knew um, as a way to help. Um, but then, with once I found the meditation center, I was like, oh, this is the way that I can actually help people. Because if people can find a way to experience some peace, that ultimately will help them more than any material thing I could ever give them. Right now, that's my main goal and my main purpose is just letting people know that it's here, that it's a thing. And everybody can do it, regardless of your background, your personal belief system, whatever. Because meditation can help
0: everyone. So, so I've been trying to get Constance to meditate for for years now.
2: <laughs> I do as, it.
0: As, no. I do. But <laughs> how long? Well, never, never. Can, I even as, went to as, this, as a, Excuse
1: me. I went to the center. I went to the center in Oak Park. She has been. Yes. Thank you for actually. thank you for
0: okay. Has, acknowledging how, that. How, how often have you seen her?
1: <laughs> she wasn't there when I went.
0: Okay. That's true. <laughs> so you meditate every day?
1: No, not oh. every day.
0: Okay. Like once I don't have once, time. Once, for a month, every day. once a month. Once
1: a month. Once every other month,
0: okay. probably. So as her <laughs> new friend because <laughs> I'm a I'm a big believer in meditation. So as her new friend, maybe you can influence her to, to meditate more.
2: Help her. She's also been to the chamber meditation that I
1: need. Thank you for uh, acknowledging that, Shogo. Okay. Thank you. Um, I will <laughs> say that when I showed up to the um, to the, I don't know, would you call it service? Uh, class. Okay, class. See, I'm so Catholic. It's terrible. So it's like, um to okay. the, the service. So the class, I showed up, and it was a whole series on love. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I totally feel like God put me here. Like, I had to come here, and I had to to hear this. And you were not presenting. Um, It was a monk. Mm-hmm. And he was, okay. he was amazing. It was Mm -hmm. literally—and you and I have talked about this—this is the same messaging that I feel like I have heard in the Catholic sort of, you know, religious system, but in a way more sort of layman's terms. It all makes sense Mm -hmm. without all the Mm -hmm. religious jargon. And Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, you know, all the Buddhist teaching on love is just—it's so fascinating to me because it makes so much sense and resonates— and I was hoping mm-hmm. that you could kind of give our audience a little sort of synopsis on what Buddhist teaching sort of um, is on love. And that's a pretty, pretty yeah, broad, I, broad term. But if you could give us, you know, some background, yeah. that'd be great.
2: Firstly, for people to think about love in general, a lot of the times what we're actually thinking about is what we would call attachment So anytime you get those little butterflies or anytime you're really excited to see somebody, that, those feelings are actually attachment. We wouldn't call those love. So love is more like, it's more of a peaceful feeling. That's the feeling maybe that you feel when you see your children or um, possibly somebody you've been in a relationship with for a long time. Um, that you still actually like. Uh, so um, we would say. So here's. I'll just read a little bit from uh, this book. is called How to Transform Your Life by the founder of our tradition, Geshe Kelsang Gyatso. Um, and it says, in general, there are three types of love: affectionate love, cherishing love, and wishing love. For example, when a mother looks at her children, she feels great affection for them. And perceives them to be beautiful, no matter how they appear to other people. Because of her affectionate love, she naturally feels them to be precious and important. This feeling is cherishing love. Because she cherishes her children, she sincerely wishes that for them to be happy. This wish is wishing love. And wishing love arises from cherishing love, which in turn arises from affectionate love. We need to develop these three types of love toward all living beings without exception.
1: So there's three types of love. mm Mm-hmm. And tell us what they are again.
2: So there's affectionate love. Okay. Cherishing love and wishing love.
1: And do you have to have all three um, for one person or is it different for each, each person that you love?
2: So the feeling itself is the same, but the way that it presents itself is different because like, for instance, you wouldn't just like go up and give every single person that you saw on the street, a big hug because they would find that very weird. (laughs) And the way that you treat your children, you wouldn't treat other people that way because again, they would find it quite weird. So, And also part of our mind of love is trying to think about what does that other person need to be happy? And that appears in very vastly different ways for each person. Because the thing that your good friend needs is very different than somebody who you just met, which is very different from your family. So the ways in which you interact with people would be very different, but our goal is to have those three minds of love for every living being without exception. That is like the end
0: result goal. And and so it sounds like the way, the example that you read, it sounds like mm-hmm. the types of love build on one another. Yes. So the affection first, then the cherishing, and then the wishing.
2: Yes. Yes. Because okay. if you don't actually have um, affection for somebody, then you're not going to care if they're happy.
0: Got it. You okay. don't
2: cherish their happiness at all. See, there's no reason why you would develop the other minds if you don't have that basis first.
0: Okay. So that's kind of where I've been trying to get to. Um, and mm-hmm. I, think, I think a lot of people listening to this, if they haven't heard this concept before, they're going to go, well, why should I love everybody? Can you talk about, <laughs> one, the importance of that, and then, two, how they can get closer to that, to that place?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things. So one of the things is why not love everyone? That mind of love protects me from developing anger, jealousy, attachment, all of these negative, gross, sticky minds that make me feel actually really horrible. They, this mind of love is, we would, we actually say the mind of love is the great protector. It protects our mind from developing negative minds toward any other living being. If you think about, I, like for me, a really good example is if I think about my nephews, and if they're doing something, that is, I don't know, terrible. Like maybe they're being jerks or maybe they're just throwing a temper tantrum or something. Because I have a mind of love for them, I'm like, oh, they're just having a rough time. Oh. Right? Instead Mm -hmm. of if you see somebody, some random person on the side of the road that you don't know doing exactly the same thing or if it's like a coworker that you have to deal with regularly or sometimes even your partner, you're like, what is your problem? But instead for somebody who has... Who you have a mind of really strong and big affection, love, cherishing love, wishing love for? You just think, oh man, they're having a really hard time. It's a vastly different mind, and it's a very different way of interacting with someone. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to love people you like.
1: (laughs) I mean,
0: like you you know,
1: to
2: like people first.
1: So let's say you you have have like. Let's just, this actually came up when I was at the center. Okay. This, you know, I was like totally jiving with like everything that the monk was saying. I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I totally love people. You're right. You have to be, you know, positive. And, but this is all geared toward people that I have in my life and that I want in my Uh life. But what about like that neighbor, let's say, and this is what he brought up, that neighbor that just hates you and and is miserable to you and is mean to you, it is really hard to love somebody that you don't have to necessarily love. How can you practice loving those people? And I guess the question would be why? Because some people would ask, why
2: do I have to love them? Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. In Buddhism, we would never say you have to do anything, but, because we don't have that concept of like you have to do this, you have to do that. We would say that It's it's your choice, but if you develop these minds of anger or hatred toward that person, it disturbs your mind so much that it doesn't allow you to have peace. Like if you think about that person that you're really struggling with, if you think about what they're doing and and how they're doing it, and you're thinking about that mind, if you're thinking about that situation or that person with a mind of anger or hatred. Sometimes your entire day can be ruined. True. Easily, and it's like, and it, and then we're like, well, it's their fault that my day is ruined. Actually, it's our fault that our day is ruined because we thought about that person with that mind of anger, and it's our choice.
1: Someone, so like they take up mental real estate. Was that you that said that, Jerome? Um, I
0: don't. I, I don't remember, remember it who like i talked something. To. Yeah, it sorry.
1: sounds like something you'd say. Like they take up, <laughs> they take up real estate in your mind, yep. and you allow it. Yep.
0: But, yep. but it, so it, so it's almost like loving everybody helps you as well, because now you're not mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I hate that person. They did this to me. Like, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows? They may get better. They may go, oh, well, you know what? She's been nice to me. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll be nice to her. Yeah.
2: And we would say from that space of thinking about their happiness, then you actually see that they are suffering. And that is why... They're behaving in the ways that they're behaving. It's easy to see with somebody that we love so much, like our children, or for me, my nephews, you can see, oh, they're really, really suffering, and that's why they're behaving in this way. Maybe it's because they didn't get enough sleep, or maybe they're hungry, or maybe they just had a bad day or something, but it's easy to see, oh, they're suffering. It's harder for us to see that with people that we're really struggling with. It's much, much harder, and sometimes it's impossible for us to see it. And it's like, what, what if maybe they had a close relative pass away? What if they have are suffering from depression or anxiety? What if they had, you know, there's so many different things. What if, da, 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 da. And if we can even think about it in that way, like, what if they're really struggling because something really big happened in their life? You can fill it in. Sometimes um, people will make it very Particular, like, what if their their dog just passed away or something? Like in those situations, it's so hard. We know ourselves; it's hard for us to be kind and gentle to everyone when we're going through stuff like that.
0: Well, that's kind of how I got over. Um, like, I'm I'm pretty. You'd say I'm pretty calm, right? Yeah. So, but when I was driving, if somebody cut me off, that was like the thing that would. That was like really? the thing that would piss me off, you know, and it would bother me yeah. for like I don't know for like a long time, and then. Almost the same as what you're saying, Chogo, I started to go, this person doesn't know me. They didn't follow me right. for five miles and go, oh, that guy, that Jerome, there he is. I'm going to cut him off and piss him off. <laughs> right. I'm like, and I thought yeah. the same thing. Maybe they just lost their job. Maybe they weren't paying attention. They might be rushing to the hospital to see a sick mm-hmm. loved one. You know, maybe they just, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You know, it's not mm-hmm. personal to me. You know, so now I can just let mm-hmm. it go and go, okay, well, Yeah. You
2: know,
1: I just had well. someone give me the middle finger the other day. It, it, like, hurt my soul. I'm not kidding. It, like, hurt my soul. Like, oh, my. I was in shock. I'm like, oh, my mm. God. Who would do that? Like, how mad could you possibly get at someone? But I truly had this feeling of, like, wow, your poor life. Like, if you're that angry yeah. at me who just accidentally, you know, whatever, went over the curb a little for, for far for you, like— and you gave me the middle finger? Like, what is wrong with your life, you know?
0: Yeah, they yeah. must, they must yeah. be suffering.
1: Right. So yeah. maybe, so would you say, what would be a good way to practice? Is it a lot of, I mean, would you say it's mindset? It's really just starting to think? Yeah.
2: I mean, so one of, the, one of the things that, one of the teachings that we have that helps for me a lot, actually, is viewing every living being as your mother. Mm. And so, what if, but you uh, don't necessarily have to have. <laughs> well, wait a yeah, minute. Maybe you have a bad relationship with your mom, but there's somebody in your life that you have that when you think of them, they are the per. They're like your rock. Okay, they are that person for you that you when you think of them, you think of the most loving, kind, compassionate person in your life for you. It has to be very personal. So, if you had, you know, growing up, there was somebody that was there for you. Maybe it wasn't your parents. Maybe it wasn't a family member at all. Maybe it was a teacher, or maybe it was, you know, um, a role model that you had. But that's fine, that person. What if every single person were like that for you? If that loved one did this da, 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 a lot of the times we just go, oh, that's just them. That's just how they are. And we do, and that's it. That's the end of the thing. Hmm. Then it, that, this helps us to develop this mind of affection toward this other person. is if, if you can relate to them in that way, it's never going to hurt you. It's only going to benefit you. And then you, you start to view them in this way with this mind of affectionate love.
1: Hmm. So the guy that gave me the middle finger, I just have to view as like a motherly figure, figure and just have some compassion. Well, well yeah. it's really compassion, right? I mean, yeah, it's
2: compassion. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't have compassion for somebody that you dislike. It's impossible. Yeah. You also can't have true compassion for somebody that you have um that you even have a difference for you can't have real compassion for them so like when we say oh i have a mind of compassion for people who are starving in some other country you don't really because you don't have a mind that actually even likes them or
0: knows them at all mm-hmm. so you you have to personally know someone to have compassion for them or personally interact no. with them
2: not necessarily and there's a lot of people actually that we personally interact with that we never develop <laughs> compassion for. <laughs> so it's not that, but it's more like almost putting yourself in their shoes and developing some empathy, some love for. And you can do that with um, people that you don't know that well, but you have to start with people that you know well.
0: Mm. Okay. I think I misunderstood your, um, when you were talking about having compassion for for starving people. So I don't know them, so I can't have compassion for them.
2: Right. So what I'm saying is that it's not super strong, your
0: compassion. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. And
2: it won't really move your mind that much, generally. I see. Until you start to develop compassion for people who actually are around regularly.
0: Oh got it got because it. then it's
2: okay. it's not really true real compassion, so we have to start with the people that we know
0: mm. that are
2: in our circle we have to develop love for them first and then add people as as we become more familiar with this. so we uh, have to actually like the people that we're around and love them
0: okay
1: and uh, then we gravitate toward the neighbors that. <laughs> right? <laughs> then we get to the neighbors.
0: Baby steps. We would, say we would
2: start with, yeah, so then you start with people that maybe you just have a little bit of like indifference towards or a little bit of like, oh, I don't really like when they do this. You start there. Then work your way up to the neighbor who drives you nuts.
0: Okay. So I don't, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of this, uh, Chogo, um, or maybe you, you called something else in your tradition, but there's something called a loving kindness meditation. Where Mm -hmm. you go in and you talk about um, somebody that you really have love for, and then you go and you try to generate those same feelings for somebody that you're neutral toward. And then you try to generate those feelings Mm. toward people that um, you have difficulties with, and Mm then uh, you try to generate those feelings for the entire world. And that's kind of a, I don't know, I think along the lines of what you're talking about?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so that's basically where you would start. And so then, yeah, you're kind of applying that same feeling that you develop with people that you already love to, like you're saying, to people that you maybe don't know well, then to people that you just like, and then it gradually grows. So
1: other than love, I know that's one of the, you Mm -hmm. know, sort of series that you guys um, touch on, but what other things, Mm -hmm. or, and I know you do like weekend workshops what kinds of um, topics do you guys touch on? What kinds of things do you help, you know, people with in terms of, you know, emotion or um, teachings?
2: We would teach actually, so it's called the Lam Limb. So there's special teachings um, that have been arranged by a teacher called Atisha, who lived um, about about 500 years ago. Um, And he took all of Buddha's 84,000 teachings and he condensed them down to 21 teachings. Um, And then he put them in this special order so that we can work our way through. So we would teach on all of Buddha's 84,000 teachings, but particularly on these 21. Um, And they can be found in a book called The New Meditation Handbook or in a book called Joyful Path of Good Fortune. Um, and they're in this particular order because they all build on each other in this way. And so then we would use those those books to do our meditation practice every day. The rest of the teachings actually come from those. So we recently had a course called Transforming Difficult Relationships. Um, basically, it's on developing a mind of love for all living beings, actually. It's changing your mind from this mind of frustration or anger into a mind of at least some sort of affection or at least neutral. Hmm, <laughs> maybe, wow. maybe we can't go all the way to affection yet, but at least not getting upset when you have an interaction with somebody. Okay. Um, and then we have, I mean, we have all sorts of different classes, don't we, on um, um, compassion especially because that's something that people are, uh, it's something that you can apply really quickly, even if you have a small taste of it. A thing with love, actually, you can apply it quite quickly. Um, for some people, maybe they're just looking for a little bit of peace. So then we would do meditations, um, that are a little bit more like on breathing meditation or, um, I did the meditation last month was on the clarity of mind, which gives you just a little bit of peace in your mind. Um, we also have, uh, so we have meditation CDs that you can use that will guide you through some of these meditations, um. And so it just, it a little bit depends on what you're looking for, but the nice thing is, is that you can come to classes and you can just take whatever you've heard and start applying it right away. And it allows you, it allows your mind to change pretty quickly.
1: I, I will attest to that for sure. I feel like the, the, the first, um, you know, class I took, I was like, oh, my, I was it was amazing, um, and all of your classes are virtual still, too, right?
2: They are at the moment.
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> sure. Can you give us the website? Um, can you spell it out for everybody?
2: Sure. It's meditateinchicago.org. Um, so it's M-E-D-I-T-A-T-O-E-I-N e. Chicago. Got it.
0: org you didn't know there was going to be a spelling. Test. I know, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't spell vacuum or.
1: Really, I didn't know that about you.
0: Well, I have to. I have to look I, at it. You know oh. those yeah. those words where you're mm-hmm. like. You know. Yeah,
1: too funny. Thank you, Chogo. This was so um, great. I'm really. I'm. I'm. I. We've been trying to get you as a guest for a while. So thank you for doing this. <laughs> so, I really appreciate it. So
0: I'm going to take Jerome
1: to. What, will you go to one of the? classes with me yeah. i mean
0: she I, she actually did say constance actually did say she i you went to this first class she goes oh my god you, you never guessed what i did and she said it was so amazing um mm. but but thanks for doing this and then um i don't it's kind of a broad subject so i don't want to bring it up today but maybe we can have you on again in the future and you can talk about mm-hmm. uh, reincarnation
2: oh that would be good oh okay <laughs> I
1: could do that. Okay, great. Okay. We would love to do that. Sure. We'll set that up with you and see if you'll if you'll come back. Actually, we have never had anybody come back yet, so you might oh, be you, you might be our one, yeah. the the first one.
2: Excellent.
1: Thank you, Chogo. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, my pleasure.
1: All right, great talking to you. All right. Take okay. Right, bye bye. Bye bye. Just her voice is so soothing. It makes me want to just like once I want <laughs> to me lulled to sleep. It's just so like. <laughs> Ah, no, Zen. No,
0: no wonder you glommed onto it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was so interesting. So you you told her to talk about love, mm-hmm. and then is that what you were expecting her to say? Affection?
1: Yeah, because I went through the class. Then, I already knew about wishing. it. Okay. I am well versed on all of that. Well,
0: I, I thought. Well, I thought that you were going to expect her to, you know, talk about different types of love. But then, like, okay, here's like relationship love. And then ah. Here's, you know, no, that. I wasn't. Okay. Because.
1: The thing the thing that I learned in one of the classes was that, you know, they talked about this affection love, and they talked about cherishing love, and there's different kinds of love. There is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you're wishing love, like you wish people well, you know, you're cherishing, you cherish them, you you want good for them. I mean, let's face it, we've been in toxic relationships. Those things were not there many times, you know. I mean— I could tell you right now, I wasn't wished well. (laughs) Like if I did well or things were good, the other person wasn't happy for me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just, it was not cherishing love. So I think I sat through a lot of that and learned, wow, what is love? Because sometimes we have a very skewed vision of what love is. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that really resonated with me was when, you know, the, the monk said that it's easy to love people that are kind to you. It's not easy to love people that aren't. And the path to enlightenment in their eyes is Mm -hmm. loving and practicing. It's a practice. It's not just like, oh, love that person. You have to practice loving people that you actually don't really like or that you don't get along with. Or, you know, and I may have talked about um, my fitness studio and how, speaking of neighbors, Mm -hmm. we had neighbors that hated us and wanted us out. And Mm -hmm. they did, I mean, I'm talking through brick, a brick through my car, Called all the cops right, on yeah. us all the time. Like, they were horrible human beings. And I remember having my son in the car because he was very aware of all of this stuff that was going on. You know, he's at the time he was, like, six. And we passed this person's house. And he's like, Mom, we should kill them, right? We hate them. And I was like, well, oh, God. Like, my hatred for these people is <laughs> obviously <And> it- <laughs> showing up in my six-year-old. So uh, I said. We're,
0: we're not going to see a Netflix series <laughs> on him. I was like, years, are we?
1: actually, we need to do the sign of the cross every time. Because this is me, me and the Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I was like, we need to do the sign of the cross and pray for these people every time we pass their house. We cannot say mean things. We cannot want to spit on their, their lawn. Um, we need to just say night. We need to do nice things. So we would pass by, and I'm like, do the sign of the cross. Say a prayer that these people, you know, can find some sort of peace mm-hmm. and happiness. Because all they do is spew hatred. And honestly, it has helped. I do the same thing with my, you know, with my ex-husband. I really try to think of the positive, even though there's been so much that has gone on. People are shocked at like, wow, I can't believe that you would do these things, mm-hmm. that you would allow him in your house, that you would have, serve him dinner and not poison it. You know, it's like, well, yeah, because compassion, I'm working on it.
0: See, there you go. Well good. So you that's that's real growth. I'm enlightened. Oh man. I am
1: on the well, path. I am coming back as like I don't know what a god or something. Well, okay. Well,
0: <laughs> that's so you're gonna skip the whole nun thing and go right to I'm just
1: gonna go right and right to a deity. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. Exactly.
0: I, I am I am impressed. Can you <laughs> levitate?
1: Not yeah, no, Not I'll yet. work on that though. Okay. Right. That's next.
0: Wow. Okay. Well that was an interesting and Enlightening episode. It was so. Um, that's a good one for our first time back. In yes. a long time. We didn't do
1: We weren't, and we weren't even drinking.
0: And we weren't even drinking.
1: Right. We wanted to be monk like, nun like. Yeah. If she can't I, drink, we shouldn't be drinking. On she the episode, can't drink? no, they can't drink. Oh wow. They also cannot drink. Yeah.
0: Oh man, I was thinking of becoming a monk, and I'm like,
1: mm, <laughs> I can't yeah, you would. You'd suck at that. Forget it.
0: All right. So I think that's it for. This episode of Too Fit to Be Tied, I'm Jerome.
1: I'm Constance.
0: And we'll see you next time.
1: Namaste. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs>